Amen. You can be seated. I reckon when you have seven Davids in the church, you better use the last name. Amen. And, uh, but I want to say tonight, Psalms chapter number six is the first of seven Psalms that are written uh, in the life of David, the psalmist David, that are known as penitent Psalms. And meaning that by the fact that these are Psalms that David wrote uh, in a time of repentance. And I want to say repentance is important in all of our life. Amen. And when you think about these six Psalms that David wrote after his with Bathsheba, uh, Psalms chapter 6 being 1, Psalms chapter 32 and Psalms chapter 38 and Psalms chapter 51 and Psalms 102 and 130 and then finally Psalms 143 are amongst those Psalms where David poured out his complaint because of his sin had grieved him because he knew that it had grieved God and ultimately tonight I want to say this that that is really what should drive us to repentance is knowing that when we sin we have grieve the heart of God. And it's not how much we can get by with. It should be that we love God so much that we don't want to grieve Him. Amen? That we don't want to bring a, a reproach or we don't want to hurt Him. And that ought to be what drives us away from sin and drives us closer to the Lord. But in this psalm tonight, I notice in verse number one here that I see the anger that David fears. Notice what he said in verse number one. As he said, O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Now David knew tonight that God was angry with him. He knew that because of his sin that he had disobeyed and he had dishonored and he had displeased God. And David believed and David feared the hand of the Lord. I'm going to tell you whenever you and I fall into sin, whether it's a big sin or a little sin, there ought to be a fear of God that comes over every one of us. The Bible says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And friend, my life and your life is in the hands of God. And David, I see here the anger that he fears. But then I see the anguish that he feels in verse number three down to verse number seven. David, uh, six different times, he pours out his heart to God and he says, Oh Lord, over and over you find that little phrase in this psalm, Oh Lord. And David is crying out to God. He tells us in verse number three that his soul has been affected by his sin. He said, My soul soul is also sore vexed but thou O Lord how long? You know what David realized about his sin? That it had affected his life spiritually. Amen? You know a lot of people when they sin they really don't value their spiritual their spiritual level. They just go on and they just live in sin but if David he knew what it was to walk with God. He was a man after God's own heart and David my friend realized that there was anguish in his soul because it had affected him spiritually and I think you'll agree with me tonight, sin will affect every one of us spiritually in our life. It may look good on the outside, but I want to tell you something, it'll, we can be crashing and crumbling on the inside if we allow sin into our heart. It affected his soul. It affected his sleep. Notice what he said in verse number six. As David says, here I am weary with my groaning all the night. Make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. David said, this sin that I have committed has kept me up at night. He said, I, it's affected my soul. It's affected my sleep. David says, I cannot sleep. Hey, listen, friend, if you're saved tonight and you're living in sin, it will affect your sleep. It also affected his sight. In verse number seven, David said, mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all my enemies. 
David, in other words, he said, my, my eye is consumed because of grief. In other words, David is saying to us that I cannot see anything but my sin and what I have done to God. I'm going to tell you, that's how a man and a, or a woman gets right with God is when they're that grieved over their sin, then they can do business with God. I see a lot of people, and you do too, that listen, they're living neck deep in sin and rather than uh, getting right with God and repenting over it, they justify it, they whitewash it and they go on as if it doesn't even exist. They want God to give them some kind of free pass as though everything is okay. I'm going to tell you, there's no free passes with God tonight. There is pardon. There is mercy. There is grace if we're willing to confess and forsake what we have done. Amen? And so David talks about the anger that he fears. He talks about the anguish that he feels. But this third point is really what I want to preach on tonight. I see in these last few verses here, there the answer that he finds. Amen. Now this is amazing tonight that after all that David had done in Psalm chapter 6, he still manages to find the answer to his prayer. The Bible says in verse number 7, notice this, or verse number 8, the last part of this verse, David said, for the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. He said, the Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Now, isn't that amazing tonight that three times in these two verses here, David emphasizes the fact that after he has poured his heart out to God, and you gotta think about this, David lied, he committed murder, and he committed adultery. Now, that's three of the most heinous sins that we can ever imagine someone committing. And David committed all three of them, and he knows God is upset with him. He knows God is mad at him. He's clear about that in verse number one, that the Lord is gonna rebuke him, but he says, please don't do it it in your hot displeasure. I mean, God is upset with David. But I mean, from verse number one down to verse number eight, there's some things that happens in David's prayer that gets God's attention in such a way that David three times, he's assured of the fact that his prayer has been answered, that God has heard him and that the Lord has forgiven him. He said, the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord hath heard my supplication and the Lord will receive my prayer. I'm preaching a few minutes tonight on this subject, on the prayer that God hears. Amen? The prayer that God hears. Now you think about this. After all David did, he still managed to get his prayer answered. You know what the devil tells most of us tonight? And I don't care how long you've been saved, he still tells you this. That when you sin, there's no point in trying to talk to God about it because you're in big trouble with God and God will not hear your prayer. I think one of the reasons people don't confess sins is because of an unbelief in our own heart that we just really think that this is so bad that God is not going to forgive me. I want to tell you something tonight about God. God will not condone sin, and God will not cover sin. There's going to be a consequence for every sin that we commit. But I promise you tonight, God is willing and God is ready to forgive and show mercy to all of our sins if we're willing to ask him tonight. 
And here in Psalm 6, David has lied, murdered, and committed adultery, but David knows that the Lord is a Lord that is gracious, as he wrote in another Psalm, that he is full of compassion and that he is slow to anger. And David is exercising that tonight as he pours his heart out to God. He begins to pray, and God gives him the answer, and God gives him the assurance that he has heard his prayer. And I'm going to be honest with you tonight. I want to be able to pillow my head every night of my Christian life and live in full confidence that the God that I serve will hear me and will answer me when I call. Amen. You say, well, preacher, how do, how do you get your prayers answered? I'm preaching on the prayer that God hears. God heard this prayer of repentance in David's life. I want to say tonight that number one, I see in this text here that God hears the prayer of one who is begging as David in verse number one down to verse number five, if there's anything that we note about this verse is that five times from verse number one down to verse number five, he cries out to God using that phrase, oh Lord. You say, what is David doing, preacher, in these verses here? He's begging God, amen? David knows his sin is great. David knows that his sin is terrible. So he goes to begging God. He said, oh Lord, and he, and he begins to cry out to God and he speaks of his failure in verse number one. He said, chasten me not in thy hot displeasure. He talks about his frailty in verse two as he says, I am weak, oh Lord, for my bones are vexed. He talks about his frustration in verse number three as he says my soul is vexed but oh Lord how long he is saying God how long do I've got to live in this awful condition that I'm living in you see tonight if you'll get as sick of your sin as God is God will help you tonight I think one of the reasons we live in the rut of unconfessed sin is because we treat sin so lightly. We, we treat it as though there's, it's nothing. But I'm telling you, when you know, you say, well, preacher, why is sin so terrible if you're saved? I'm gonna tell you why. Because it breaks fellowship with God. And every one of us tonight that are saved or to be walking close enough to God that when that fellowship is broken, it should instantly grieve us. It'd be just like a husband and a wife tonight or a, a, a father and a son or a, a daughter and a, and a mother tonight that when that fellowship is broken, there has to be immediate repair. The relationship cannot continue. It cannot function normally. It cannot carry on. I mean, it's, impo it's very difficult to live in the house with someone when you're not speaking to each other or when things are not right. And if you've got any spirituality at all, you don't want to let that go very long, amen? So you know what you do? You do whatever's necessary to make it right. You humble yourself. You own up to your wrongdoing. I'm telling you, the marriages that never make it are always the homes where there's one spouse that'll never say they're sorry. I don't care how, I don't care how close to God you walk. I don't care how, listen, I don't care how long you've been saved. Everybody has to say they're sorry tonight. You know, the old saying is it takes two to tango. Somebody say amen right there. Nobody can be right all the time. It, it, and I'm gonna tell you something. If it's always one doing the apologizing and the other one doing the accepting, something's wrong, amen? I know I'm not preaching on the home, but that sure is good preaching tonight. Brother, I'm telling you, listen, it does us good to say we're sorry. It does us good for our family members to see that we're sorry. It keeps humility in our life. You say, well, I, I didn't do nothing wrong. You, listen, when two people argue, there's wrongs on both sides. Amen tonight. It may have not been the start of it. It may not be the root of it, but I guarantee you there's some fruit in there somewheres. 
Boy, it's quiet tonight. Brother Charles, maybe I need to back up and come again on that. I'm talking about David had broken that relationship with God and so he's begging God. You say, preacher, I want my prayers to be answered. Learn to beg. That's what them boys sung about a while ago. I'm gonna tell you, you know why God saved us? Because we became beggars, amen. God will save a man. I don't care how sorry, I don't care how sinful, I don't care how, how shameful of a life he has lived. If he'll, listen, bend his knee and bow his head and call out to his creator and say, I am sorry, would you grant me mercy? I'm telling you, Jesus, even in the final hours of his life as he was drawing his final breath uh, before he stepped out of this world and into the other world, he reached out to a thief that reached out to him that had lived sorry and low down and done all kinds of things, but he said, Lord, I believe that was the first step to getting his prayer answered. He called him Lord, amen. He said, Lord, would you remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom? I'm gonna tell you that old thief didn't know much, but he was convinced of the fact that the person he is hanging next to was the Lord and that he had a kingdom, amen. I'm telling you, that's more than the nation of Israel believed at that moment. But he said, when you go to that kingdom, would you remember me? And Jesus looked at him with eyes of mercy and with a heart of love and he reached out and he said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise and an entire life of living in sin was forgiven all because he begged tonight our prayers are answered God hears the prayer of one who is begging then I want to say tonight he hears the prayer of one who is broken look at what David says in verse number 2 he says that he is weak in verse number 6 David says that he is weary he said I am weary he says in verse number eight that he is weeping. As he says, the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. Here is a guy, as a man that admits his weakness. He admits that he is weary. David, what are you weary with? He's weary with his sin. He's weary with what he has done. I'm telling you, it's when we get weary that we get desperate. It's when we get weary that we call out to God. And it's in that desperation and in that weariness uh, that we realize how frail and how weak we are. And then God can come to our rest he can come to our aid he cannot help us when we're standing in our own strength but when we get broken God moves on our behalf amen I'll be honest with you tonight most of my prayers that are answered are when I get to the point of desperation and I get serious with God I don't know how you are but I'll pray about things but then I'll get to the point where I'm like hey I've really got to get earnest about this something's got to happen my back's against the wall. I've exhausted all my resources. I think sometimes God just allows that in our life. I think God lets us get so far back in the corner sometimes that we ain't got nowheres to turn and nowheres to look but up. Amen. And it's in that moment that we'll break. We'll realize that we're nothing. We'll realize that we can do nothing. And then God is just ready to come and help us. But wouldn't it be better to just live that way? The Bible says the Lord is nigh unto them that have a broken and a contrite spirit. He will not deny. The word of God says someone that is broken. I'm telling you, if you can weep, if you can shed tears, you can get your prayers answered. Amen. We may not be perfect. We may not be sinless. But I'm telling you, if we can get on our face and recognize who we are and recognize who God is. If we can see how small we are and how big he is tonight, I'm telling you, God will help us if we'll just get broken. Amen. You know, it's one of the hardest things in churches nowadays. It's everywhere we go. There was a time, and I thank God he has blessed here 
It's not that way to the degree that I see it some places, but it is even here too. I don't know why, but we act like sometimes we're scared to death of the altar. Preacher preaches a message, and this is not to get you to come to the altar tonight. If God don't speak to you, I, I don't want you to come. But I watch people drowned in pews all the time because they will not turn loose of that pew and just admit, I need your help, God. They're so ashamed, Brother Charles, to step out. I, I think they're more prideful than even some lost people that if I go to that altar, people's going to think I'm less spiritual. Hey, I got a newsflash for you. If that's you tonight, you are less spiritual. And so am I. I'm telling you tonight, I need rescued just about every day of my life. I'll just go ahead and admit it to you. I'm constantly having to wave the old white flag. God, over here, throw out another lifeline. Lord, I need your help. I, I'm telling you, I'm the, I don't care if I am the pastor of the church. I'm telling you, I'm wrapped up in a bunch of weak stuff tonight. And I don't ever want to get to the place where I get too big for my britches or too, religious, too much religious pride that, that I feel like I can't go to an altar and just bow my knee and bow my head because I'm more concerned about what the brethren would think about me than getting God's attention. I'm telling you there's mercy when you're weak. Mercy rejoiceth against judgment. Amen. God will rescue you if you can get broken tonight. Amen. You got to get broken. You got to learn to weep. You got to learn to not stiffen your jaw, not stiffen your neck when, when things go wrong. Don't let bitterness come in your life. Stay tender before God and allow God to bless you. I, I know that sometimes we go through bitter experiences but allow bitter experiences to break you. Don't let them make you bitter. Amen. Every one of us can testify of bitter experiences. They'll leave a bitter taste in your mouth, but don't let what gets in your mouth get in your heart. Well, I'm telling you, you will get in trouble with God. You can sit in a good church and you can sit under good preaching and you can hear good singing all your life and just get further and further and further away from God. You want to know why some people are doing the things they're doing tonight? It didn't start with getting up one morning and saying, I just think I'll go out to the world. Right. Right. Son, I'm telling you, there has been enough people passed through every church to fill it up ten times over. People that I'm convinced, Brother Danny, they love God. They, they, they serve God. God had his hand in their life. But one day, little by little, service by service, invitation by invitation, they just grew cold on God because of something that got a hold of their life. They couldn't let it go. Sometimes it's people, sometimes it's problems, sometimes it's circumstances, but I'm telling you tonight, get broken. Allow God to use you. God hears the prayer of those who are begging. God hears the prayer of those who are broken. And then I close with this tonight. God hears the prayer. Notice in verse number eight and nine, he hears the prayers of those who are believing. Now I want to tell you something about this Psalm. David, in verse number eight, his sin is still as real in verse eight as it was in verse one. God is still upset in verse number eight is what he was in verse number one. David has failed God and he has sinned. But in verse number eight, David closes this psalm by doing something that every one of us should do in our prayers. He comes to God. He pours his heart out. He tells God how sorry he is. He tells God how weak he is. He tells God how that he has made a mess of his life. And then when he's done with that, he turns in full faith when he has done everything that he knows to do, 
He turns in full faith and he looks in his prayer and he says this. He said, the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. Can I tell you something? God didn't reach over the bow of, of heaven and speak to David and say, David, your prayer has been heard. David didn't hear an audible voice. David didn't see a vision. David didn't feel a goosebump. You know, and I'm going to tell you, you say, well, preacher, how did David know? I'm going to tell you how he knew. He knew the same way that you and I know. David just stepped out on faith and said, I've done everything now that I know to do. I've confessed it. I've forsaken it. I've called out to God. I've got broken. I've got as low as I can. Now I'm going to exercise faith and say, the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. He said, the Lord hath heard my supplication. Now watch how the wording changes. He said, the Lord will receive my prayer. David acted in full faith. He saw where God had forgave him in the past and he said, you know what? God promised in the past he would forgive me and he has. So he said, so I'm just gonna trust him for now and in the future that he'll do what he did then. He'll do it one more time. And David trusts God and David believed God and David exercised faith in his prayer. When you pray about something, you got to believe God will do it. You need to pray till you believe. Sometimes you start out in the flesh and you wind up in spirit. Amen. You start praying and boy, the devil in the flesh will say, God ain't going to hear that. God ain't going to hear that. You're wasting your time, but you just got to keep praying through all that mess. And then after you've prayed, you've just got to reach a point where you say, Lord, I believe. I think with salvation, it's that way a lot of times. It's not hard to be saved. It's very easy to be saved. If you want to be saved, God will save you. Can I get a witness right there? God's not setting up in heaven, driving people away from the cross. He's inviting them to the cross. And when a man realizes, or even a child realizes that they're a sinner and that their sin has has, 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 uh, has uh, infected their life and that their only, uh, their only hope is what Jesus did at Calvary and they're willing to trust the blood of Christ and what he did to be the, their salvation. If they're willing to repent and ask God to forgive them and trust Jesus Christ as their Savior, they can be saved. But it all comes down to one thing. Romans chapter, nine and verse, chapter 10 and verse number nine. For with the heart... Man believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. I've talked to people that have doubted their salvation and been tormented by it. The truth is God wants to save them and probably has saved a lot of them. But they lived in torment because of one reason. They just simply wouldn't believe that what God said, he meant. You know how I know I'm saved tonight? Because I trust the word of God. Yes, sir. I went to an altar I prayed a prayer. In fact, I prayed four prayers. And I prayed those four times. I, I wasn't sure about this time. I wasn't sure about that time. I mean, I didn't know John 3.16 the day I got saved. You say, Brother Gravely, when did God save you? I'm really deep down not sure which of the four places he saved me. Now, I've got one place I go back to, Brother David, that I believe. But I'm not really sure. Now, that may bother some of you, but hey, I'm the one. It don't bother me tonight. You say, why don't it bother you? Because I know whom I have believed in. And I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. I'm not keeping a record anyway. Amen. I may not know which of the four, but I promise you this much. God knows exactly the time and the place. 
And if you're somebody that knows the time and place, thank God for that. You say, why would you say that? Because I've watched people, hey, until you've sat down with people in church that have grew up under the shadow of the cross all their life and struggled because they can't remember certain things. You know what I tell them? Hey, the Bible says that there is now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. That's the Bible, amen? You know how I know I'm saved? Because when I got up this morning, there was no condemnation to them which, walk, which are in Christ Jesus. I got up, I'm not condemned anymore, amen? I'm telling you, old things have passed away and all things have become new. I never drank, I never smoked, I never, well, I did chew, amen, but I didn't do a lot of them other things, amen. But you know how I know I'm saved? Them old things was not in my life and thank God they'll go out when you get saved. But I'm gonna tell you what's been in every man's heart when he got saved, that's an old thing. That's condemnation, amen. I don't care if God pulled you out of the ditch or off the front row of a church, every sinner is condemned, amen, within themselves. Religious sinners are that way too. You know, when I got saved, I couldn't quote a verse of scripture, but when I got saved, here's what I know. This is what I know. I knew that condemnation left and justification set in. I'm telling you, God will justify you when you get saved. And I know the Bible says as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. You know, I know the Holy Spirit's led me in life. And don't come up here after church and try to talk me into some, I mean, that may tear you up tonight, but I'm just telling you, I know I'm saved because the Holy Spirit, He led me today to do something. Salvation is in the Word tonight, isn't it? It's faith, not in what you do, amen. It's faith in what He did. I'm not saved. Listen, thank God you can get on this altar tonight and get saved. You can weep and cry and God will save you tonight. But you're not getting saved just because you got on an altar. Am I telling the truth? Hey, a lot of people got on an altar and never got saved. There's a lot of people cried tears and never got saved. And there's people that never shed one tear and didn't look like they got saved, but they got saved, amen? You say, what's the common denominator in all of our life? It's faith in the word of God. I'm telling you, friend, when memory has failed you, when feelings are gone, when everything else has crumbled, thank God I can hold this book up and say the word of God endureth forever. And I know I'm going to heaven when this life is, life is over with because I've trusted what God said in his word, amen, tonight. I trust that the Bible says that Jesus died on the cross for every sinner. I believe that with all my heart. Do you believe that tonight? And that word of God is what lets you know that you're saved tonight. And the word of God will connect with the Holy Spirit. Amen. And when you get under old time conviction, amen, faith in the word of God is what saves you tonight. God hears the prayer of the one who's believing. I'll say this as they come tonight and get us a song ready. Oftentimes we forget that after we get saved. We're quick to trust Him for our salvation to keep us out of hell, but we fail to trust Him for the little things that we face in life. And I'm preaching to myself when I say this. How many times have we prayed in defeat and discouragement And we got up and we didn't have no more victory when we got up than when we went down just because we just didn't believe that God's going to do it. Tonight, whatever the prayer is that you need to pray to God on this Wednesday night, I'm telling you, if you'll just bury up in this altar and say, Lord, I'm begging and I'm broken and I'm just believing that you'll do it. I'm telling you tonight, God will hear your prayer. You can get off your knees 
in this altar and say, I've got the answer. God's going to do what He said He would do if you'll trust Him tonight. As we stand, maybe there's something you need to come pray about. You don't have to tell me, but you'd like to tell God about it tonight. You may only be one prayer away from seeing God answer that need, that burden tonight. Just one prayer of faith. The answer may already be on the way if you'll just trust Him tonight while we sing. You obey God.